This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt Grimm begins a series in the book of Colossians. Let's jump in as he shows us some considerations when we begin a new study. Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Matt Grimm here with Thad Keenel. Good afternoon, Matt. It's good to be here. Yeah, and we are back with the Planted Podcast. And we are uh, now starting kind of a new series. We finished up our, our first series on the Word of God. And we're now moving into another series where we're going to be uh, going through the book of Colossians. Wow, exciting. Yeah. And one of, one of the things we want to do with, with this, um, this particular episode and, and this in, entire thing is, one, obviously, you know, get to the message of Colossians, but, but also just kind of help us think about how do we study a book of the Bible? You know, what do we do if, we, if, if we're going to begin reading of the book of the Bible and studying it? You know what are what are some good practices to do? You know, uh, for anyone that that I think with there are so many resources available to to Christians these days uh, that you don't have to have a seminary degree to to be a good Bible student. You know, uh, not that you did before, but but there's just a lot of things that we have at our disposal, whether it be through the internet or just through books, Bible dictionaries, commentaries, things that can help us. Uh, but the first thing we have to do is just is start reading. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, sometimes if I ask a, a question to somebody, and even if I remember back uh, in my earlier days of study, um, I say, hey, I'm going to start in the in, in this book, this epistle to, to Romans or whatever. And you read it, and it's like, it's almost like reading a foreign language at first, mm. because it, it talks in particulars that you're not familiar with, and you don't know who's really speaking to you. You don't maybe know who's important right. in, in, in the characters and... In, in, uh, the situation and you don't know the time period and, and all of that. And it's like, this is a little bit too confusing. And so you, you, you might give up, you know? Right. And so you, you need a, you need a helper to, to start you along and we all do. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter how far along you are. Right. Um, you've been a pastor for a long time and, and you still do your research on the book beforehand. Yeah. Even books I've studied before, I need to go back and, and reread, you know, reread some of the context getting into that. I mean, I've got, uh, you know, one of the best resources for for people is a study Bible, right? And if you if any of you own a study Bible, if you have one, you know that before every book of the Bible, there's like four to five pages of just information. Sometimes, depending on the study Bible, it might be two or three. But you're like, what's all this stuff there for? Well, it's it's to help for this very thing, right? And and they um, you know often it, it tries to help you with like the date of the writing. It tried to help you defend who the who the, the historical tradition of who the author is. Um, it tries to help you understand the the, the location and the uh, of the writing and the purpose of the writing. All this and that helps. All that stuff helps us as we as we go to read. So I encourage you when you are doing that to read all that information uh, and and remind yourself of it if you read it before or if you don't know. Um, Read it, and, and, and that's a great place to start when you're starting to study a book of the Bible is to get out that study Bible. Or if you have a commentary, often they'll have, sometimes they'll have 20 to 40 pages of right. that information. And some of it can get really scholarly, and you don't you can kind of glaze through some of that stuff. But it, it's all there to help provide that context, that information, to give you that understanding. So as you read through 
some of that stuff's going to start to make sense where maybe it wouldn't before. Yeah, right. And and if you don't like to read some of that historical stuff and you, um, but you would like to know, there's plenty of stuff now with today's technology with commentaries that are on mm-hmm. audio, audio and YouTube and and so find a, right. a good Bible teacher that that does that, a pastor that yeah. can then help you out. I mean, uh, when I was uh, graduated college and started working, all my all my time travels to and fro from jobs was listening to people like John MacArthur on WMUZ mm. and, mm. and uh, through the Bible with Vernon McGee, yeah. you know, I mean, good stuff. I mean, now yeah. friends, that's how he would start up every, yeah. every episode. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I remember, I remember listening to Jay Vernon McGee too, because my parents listened to him, you know, and, and so they got me and when I was in earshot of a, you know, a radio when I was driving somewhere to, I would, I would listen, you know, and then both, both those Brothers in Christ, you know, there's things that we would agree with, like on some theological things, sure. and other things we wouldn't. But they're, but they knew their rivals, right? And so it's 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 always good to to have that uh, knowledge and and to to learn from. Well, but, but yeah, and then it, I graduated to somebody like R.C. Sproul, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but no, but you, I mean that's all that all that is, is great. And actually, speaking speaking of listening, one of the things that I've started to do too is is. Is sometimes I the first thing maybe I'll do is is have is listen to it because I have, I have audio Bibles and like my Bible app right will, yeah. will read it to me and it, what's good about that is that is that that's something very historically accurate about that because when these letters would go to a congregation or a community they would be read to them right, right? right. so like particularly for Colossians it was delivered by a, a man named Tychicus right. And he would go, and he was Paul gave him the letter, and he carried it to them. And what did he do? He didn't just deliver it like a postman. He actually stood before them and read it to them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so the first hearing is is actually a hearing. The first reading is actually a hearing. And so that's something I've tried to do. Sometimes I'll read it first, but other times I'll just sit there and, and just listen to it. Right. It's like the language says in the scriptures there that faith comes by hearing. Yes. Right. Right. And, instead of reading. Yeah. And even though it's the same thing and for us that, that have the opportunity and every one of us have, you know, two or three Bibles in our homes, primarily, like you say, it was, right. it was by hearing of the word and, uh, and they were very astute and they're listening too. Yeah. Um, did you think that they would uh, they would still make copies though? Because it said to share these letters with the other churches, right? Yeah, they would they would make copies, and, and they, some letters are known a little bit more to be even circular type letters. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it, it became a practice that they started doing that with all these. I mean, that's how they became distributed and known, and copies were made. And they have um, you know codexes and and partial uh, copies and stuff that they can date back to right. really close to the original transcripts, which is fascinating. Sure is, but. But, but I think that's a good thing just to, I mean, if you're listening to our podcast, you probably have the technology to be able to listen to an audio Bible, right? You know, <laughs> that's right. you probably have a, a one on your phone. And if you don't, it's a, it's a free app. You can go get it, download one and that has the audio version. Right. And, and for the right donation to the church, we'll go do some, something live <laughs> at somebody's place, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll have to run that by session. <laughs> but, that, but yeah, so I, I encourage you to one... You know, and, and it, it takes, you know, it, it's probably the, the book of Colossians we're going through. It's, it's one of the shorter letters, you know, it's four chapters, but the fourth chapter is really short, you know, even. Um, you can probably listen to the book to, read to you in like seven to 10 minutes mm. or less, yeah. you know. And so I encourage you to, to do that and then read it, read through it yourself, the entire thing. 
uh, is a good practice because you're you're going to go back and study. You know, this is the the thought that you're going to go back and study and go slower. But it's good to have that entire context there. And so I, I tried to do that. And I'm I'm a I'm a pretty curious person. And sometimes I'll like, well, I want to stop and I want to look at this word, or I want to stop and oh, reread yeah. this phrase, or whatever. You're going to have time to do that, right? Because right. we're going to do study. But I encourage you to just read through the entire thing one time through, or hear, listen to it one time through, read it through it one time through, and then even maybe a second time, go back and go back, or you know, if you. I don't mind people writing in their Bibles. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. a good thing. Get a pencil or something and read through it a second time through and just quickly, read through quickly. But as you read, circle some words or underline some phrases. You're like, okay, I want to, I want to go back and spend some extra time right. understanding that, right? And then and then we can go back and, and get into some of the um, some of the details. Uh, but but having that big overview, I think is just as important of doing some of that upfront reading of the context and date and time and purpose and all those things. Um, it's, it's very helpful for when you do go back and take the shorter time. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, so let's, we're just going to spend a little bit of time here up front doing a little bit of that work for you. Um, you know, just some of that uh, background information about um, Colossians. So I'll just, I'll just turn to you and let you ask the questions and, and I'll see if I know the answer or can find the answer, right? What are, what are some things that if you're going into a study of a book, what are, what are some things that just up front, you're going to be asking these questions to know? Well, the first thing that I would say, it's the book of Colossians. Right. What does that word even mean? <laughs> so right. what, so what does the word Colossians mean? Yeah, well, it, it, it's referenced to a city in in Asia Minor, right? Um, so it's the city of Colossians? It's the city of Colossae. Colossae. So right? Colossians are the people... The people who reside there, right? Okay. So it's the it, so it's the church. Um, he's writing to a church, a congregation of people, of Christ followers, right, in the city of Colossae. Okay, so right? that's great. So now we know it's a city, but yeah. where? Where is the city located? Yeah, so it is, it is located in what would be modern-day Turkey, and the Bible will maybe refer to it as Asia Minor, okay. right? Or Phrygia would be um, a, a location there. And so, if, if we if you if you have a map and you Google it, you can find you know the city of Colossae. It, it's there, but in like modern day Turkey, it's going to be kind of in south um, west, southwest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Turkey. Not all the way west, you know, maybe a little bit more south central west, right? But it is, it's not on the coast, but it's not that far from the coast. It's only like 150 kilometers, right. I think, from Ephesus, right. which is like the major coastal city. So if we were to right? look at this on a map and we start in, in Israel and in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. uh, we would go north around the right. Mediterranean Sea and then go west however many miles to, right. to, the, to the far side right. of, of Turkey, and then yeah. we would be in, in that area. Um, so what are some of the other surrounding cities? Yeah. So it's really close to a couple other cities you're going to find in the Bible, Laodicea which is one of the seven churches of, of Revelation, right? And so it, it's, it's kind of its neighbor um, okay. there. And then just just north, just another neighboring city, uh, just north there is the city of Heropolis, which is referenced in a few of Paul's writings too. And so um, uh, this region is, is, is well known for its sheep. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's good um, territory for wool. And, and actually that's what Colossae, we kind of became a prominent city 
kind of around 5 BC before this, but really around by the time about 5 BC, it was it was a pretty significant city, and partly because of its wool trade. Oh, okay, and actually, there's a particular color of wool dye. I think in, in I think it's like some shade of blue that's like colossinous or something. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a color blue that they were well known for that they're uh, in, in their wool. Interesting, and so um, so yeah, so that that's. Um, so it, I think what happened is by by Paul's day, kind of like first century A.D., um, Laodicea had kind of re- usurped Colossae in terms of prominence. Okay, and it would be kind of became the more well known city um, of that day, or just grew, and, and and they were all you know they were all somewhat you know dwarfed by Ephesus, which is a which is 150 miles away, but. But you know, far enough away that you need there were these other metropolitan center, which kind of Laodicea kind of usurped that. But but between Heropolis, Laodicea, and and Colossae, there was kind of this. It was kind of like the the metro area, so, you know, we so, might say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. So the the different cities um, are. He's actually writing not to the city, but to the church group yes. within these cities. So right. these are these are assemblies right. of, of of believers and. Uh, uh, just like we don't want to drive or you know two hours to go to a to church mm-hmm. there's a local assembly which we go right. to we try to keep that within yeah. reason that's uh yeah attainable and exactly and and so this is written to Colossians, but because it's the neighboring cities he's fully expecting that that this would also go to Laodicea yeah as because well. of the trade I mean people are right. trading wool so we got to get some yeah. of this wool and back so he, to so he Ephesus. actually references I think at the end of the book he actually I think references a path. Well, a, a, so the other thing about this particular congregation in the city it was planted by a man named Epaphras. Oh, okay. So Epaphras starts uh, is is kind of given credit for starting the church there, and he but he's also working with. I think he's also helping oversee the churches in Laodicea and, and, Heropolis. and Heropolis. Okay, right, and so so that's what they've referenced. I think that to the greetings yep. at the end. Right, that are there, and so we see, and that would be kind of similar. I mean, here we are, we're in Brighton, Michigan, right? And it, you know, it's, it's like, oh, and, and tell the brothers in Howell as well, yeah. you know, <laughs> the what's going on, and maybe fill in the people in Heartland too, you know, right. uh, because it, it's very the, the in, things that are influencing that church are probably influencing those other churches as right. well, right? right. Now, um, uh, Paul, being a, a Jew. Um, and a lot of the Jews mm-hmm. living in Israel at that time, but there was dispersion. Are these uh, originally uh, Jewish people that were converted to Christianity mm-hmm. um, in, in these cities, or is it because that was all part of right. the Roman territory? There's probably a good mix there, I would imagine. Yeah, there. So there would be diaspora Jews in in here, Hellenistic Jews, mm-hmm. we, we might say. Okay. Um, uh, but and. So we don't know for sure that, like, we knew it was Paul's practice to go first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, right? So did Epaphras do that too? It's, yeah. it's very possible that he, that he learned that from Paul. Um, and so it's interesting, even here in the greeting, we'll, we'll look a little bit at the first two verses today, but just a thing to touch on that, that I know that some uh, theologians, commentators, actually I remember my, my prof in, in seminary um, said that, the, the, Paul's use of grace and peace together here. So in his greeting, uh, let's go, go ahead and read the first two verses there for us, kind of our, our Okay, our it begins in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Okay. So um, we'll talk more about the kind of the structure of that, but the fact that he uses grace and peace together, um, the my, I remember my professor was saying that that, that is kind of a, a um, an indication that these are Hellenistic Jews because grace would be a common greeting among Greeks. Oh, grace okay. to you. Oh, okay. And peace, we the know shalom. shalom is is the is the common greeting for Jews, okay. right? Okay. And so um, the fact now there are obviously theological reasons for for Paul to use grace and peace, right? right? Which will be unfolded in the letter, but it's also just it would be uh, a a kind of that bringing together of, of the Hellenistic and the Jewish um, greetings grace and peace to you. And so there's a sense in which, okay, we know that there's this, uh, there's probably Hellenistic Jews among them, and the community would be um, not just made up purely of Jews who've converted to Christianity, but there would be those there. Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, it's interesting, uh, the further that you get into your study and the more time that you spend in particular sections, mm-hmm. um, as common as what we might have just read as a standard greeting, the grace and peace. Some of that might slip past you until you explain it the way you did. But even um, words like an apostle, we might not understand what fully what that might right. mean, right? Yeah, exactly. And that, that that tells us something about the author, right? So that's another thing that we would say, okay, who's Paul? And we might say, oh, we hear about Paul all the time, but maybe you're not as familiar with Paul. So let's understand who Paul is, right? Because that's an important part of this. Um, now, it's if you ever do read a commentary, a lot of times they will, um, in a good evangelical or conservative commentary, they're going to spend time trying to dispute scholars who try to attribute authorship to someone else. Sure. Because liberal scholars, you know, starting in the late 1800s into the 1900s and today, you know, started questioning everything. It was kind of the part of their criticism. Let's just question every everything and say, right. is it possible? Why could this not be Paul or, or, or something like that? And so they go into those dis- discussions. And if you, if you, that it's interesting, you read them because right? all of them are going to affirm Paul as author and they're going to dispute these other things, which sometimes is good if you have friends and family or neighbors who maybe they went to college and maybe they took a class on Paul and they learned all these reasons why maybe Paul wasn't, you know. It's good to read that, the scholarship, to be able to have a knowledgeable conversation about why he is. Right, right. right. And being the author doesn't necessarily mean that he penned it. Yes. Uh, because right. we know Paul had vision problems or, or, yeah. or the like, and uh, so it was okay to have right. um, another pen it for him uh, as a secretary or whatever it right. might be. Or uh, sometimes, as the case may be, uh Paul might have a sermon, and uh, one of these uh, with him would be taking notes mm-hmm. and then write the letter according to that. So you'll see Paul's theology, but in the writing style of another. Right. Yeah, and, and then also, with because that becomes a big issue, what's the style? And the other thing that, that can affect styles, not just that maybe Paul didn't pin it himself, right. but is, is, the, is the occasion... And what he's writing about is going to dictate a different style of yeah, writing, right? right. And Paul so, is so multicultural that he he could talk to his audience. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so, so for instance, if you were writing, a, you're a business owner, right? So if you're writing a letter to a another business who is um, maybe they're having a dispute over something with you, and you're you're having to to talk about the contract or talk about reasons. You're going to have a particular style that you would write to based on that occasion. Right. Right. Sure. But if you're writing, but if you're writing a letter or an email today, it's going to be an email, <laughs> right? But if you're writing an email to another customer, right, where the job went smooth and they were great to work with and you were just 
doing some other deal, the tone would be different, right? Tone, so yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or if you're not even writing to a customer, let's say you're writing to a um, colleague in, a, in another business. Yeah, who I'm going to use just, different terms and yeah. everything. Yeah. So all those things have to be considered, you know. So to say because this letter, because Colossians is different than his letter to Timothy and the style of writing is different, so they want to attribute different authorship you know, that's not taking all things into consideration, right? Right, right. So, but here, I think we're pretty confident. Uh, we, I'm, I'm extremely confident that Paul's the author here, but it, it is important to know here that Paul, this isn't a church that Paul planted, and it's very possible that there's even a question of whether he's ever even been to Colossae. Yeah, right. right? And another thing that would prob- that would likely happen uh, when you're looking at this historically is that um, although Paul was imprisoned um, for some of these letters— mm-hmm they would make their ways around and even some of the letters would make their way back to him. And he would have had the opportunity to hear through the jail cell um, and say, you know what, that's not my writing. And there would have been another one that would have, (laughs) uh, uh, that would have come out, you know? So there's, there's, there's really a good historical evidence uh, for authorship. Right. Yeah, there is. And it's good to, to, um, to be able to, uh, identify even within the letter some of the things that come out to give us clues, right? Sure, yeah. So one of the things that that pe- people are pretty confident is that this is one of the Paul one of the letters that Paul wrote from prison. Um, the question is, which prison? Because because he was imprisoned in various places, mm. right? So he was held in in Ephesus for a while in prison, and some people think, well, did he write this when he was in Ephesus, or did he write this when he was in Rome and in prison? Um, so that's a great question. Right. Most scholars attribute it to his time when he was in Rome. Oh, okay. So it would be later. But but that's but that's a, a, another question that you would that, that they would ask. But but how would we know he's in prison? It, it becomes a question that we we would ask. And sometimes so some of it is if we look at sometimes it's you see it in the greetings or in the way that he's writing at the beginning, right? Or sure. at the end, and we know at the end that. Um, that he says that he um, he he talks about um, Tychicus and Onesimus and Aristarchus uh, in verse ten of chapter four. So Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. <laughs> oh, I, okay. So Paul's in prison. We don't know where, right? But we do know, as you said, that they were the the, the way it was in. in my understanding, and I'm not an expert on this by any means, but, but the kind of prisoner he was, because he was a Roman citizen, right? So as a Roman citizen, the way Paul's imprisoned is different than like a slave would be a prisoner or a non-Roman citizen sure. would be in prison. Right. So he was, he was maybe chained to someone or he may have been in a, in a house, in, in, almost like we would call house arrest or something like that. Um, when I was in Rome, there's a place where they actually would tell you where they think that Paul was imprisoned. Oh, okay. You know, it, was not, it wasn't like this. It wasn't like he was in a catacomb or a, a, a big dungeon somewhere. He was imprisoned in a in a room, you know, and then stuff. But he, it's not like he was, you know, with yeah. a bunch of other people. Probably. Right. Yeah. But the point is, he visitors had access to him. Okay. Right. right. Just like you were saying, sure. so these people could come and visit him, and so yes, he's in prison. Um, and it, it wouldn't have necessarily been pleasant, but, but he could, he could talk to people. It's not like you had to go, you know, to the, you know, like 
I don't know what the rules were, but, you know, we think a prisoner today, we think, oh, okay, I had to go to the prison grounds. I had to meet with, you know, I had to right. go through all these, jump through all these hoops to get to him, you know. Right. And I'm sure there were some protocols, but it seemed to be Hiding he the had... saw and the cake as <laughs> yeah, they delivered right, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then know? at the end of the letter, he says, remember my chains. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So he is chained. Yeah. Right. But, but all these people have access to sure, him. Sure. Sure. Right? Okay. So, Good. so anyway, uh, yeah. So, so, the, um, but we don't, but. All we got away from the fact that Paul's an apostle. <laughs> so, so, it, uh, so, what is an apostle? Uh, is is a question we would ask. So, what, when you think of an apostle, what do you think? Well, without knowing the term, I would think, okay, we know apostles is someone that's close to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we would even call the twelve primary disciples the twelve apostles. Um, and uh, but what does that term? I mean, we we talked about disciple in our previous word about being a a, a believing learner, one who's disciplined in, in, in following a particular um, person. Disciple of Jesus Christ is what we claim to be. Yeah. Um, but apostle, what's the actual term? Mean? Yeah. So it's the word apostolos. It's one who fulfills the role of being a special man and a messenger, generally restricted to the immediate followers of Jesus Christ, but also extended, as in the case of Paul, to other early Christians active in proclaiming the message of the gospel. So it, it literally, it means a special messenger. Okay, a special okay? messenger. And that's kind of what yeah. I, when I, from my recollection, is um, also being called a sent one, apostle is one who's sent. Yes. Um, yeah. Same thing, messenger. Yeah, yeah. and in, in, in the biblical context here, we have this, we know that with that is someone who is also then endued with a, a certain kind of authority. Okay. Right? right. And so he's sent um, with that authority to speak the message of the gospel, the message of Christ to others. So the way that you just right. defined that a second ago, it sounds like the um, the apostles actually stopped within a, a degree or two from Christ. Um, so it was either exactly with Christ or maybe tangent to one of the direct apostles, like um, to, to be an apostle. Yeah, now there would some, you know, there are some churches, some denominations today that call some of their, like their lead pastor or the planter an apostle. Okay. Like this is apostle someone, right. you know, so. Could um, we then further define the degree um, as an apostle is one who speaks under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I think there is, um, you know, I, I the way... The New Testament will oftentimes use that. It can refer to an office, okay, right? In, in some sense, and and there are some who would say there are the the apostolic gifts. So that there there are the, some of the spiritual gifts that it that reflect the office of apostle. Usually, it's it's like some sort of prophetic teaching, you know. And way I you know I don't find prophecy today as of new information, right? Right, or, or sure. writing scripture the way the apostles. So that that's something that I think is. I would make a distinction between the apostles who are the authors of the New Testament, right, and the apostles, an apostle of today has a different function. You know, it, it, to me, it goes along with the, the gift of prophecy. That the way that that gift is exercised today is not the same as it was um, in Paul, that Paul did. Okay, right? so that helps us maybe distinguish our scripture um, and perhaps another so-called Christian um, scripture, like right. the Latter-day Saints from Joseph Smith, um, right. where they would have uh, somebody that com- claims to be speaking the inspired word. or Right, exactly. 
It does. It, but it, I would even say, but it could also help us from here. We're sitting in my office and we have this all these library of books and I've got, you know, the Calvin's Institutes and I've got the theology of Charles Hodge and I've got, you know, commentaries by John Stott and I've got, you know, all the... And so they're good. they're they're Christians who are writing. They're they knowledgeable and stuff. Good teachers who are speaking and writing about the truth, but that's consistent with right. the Bible. Yes, that's what they're doing. They're they're right. trying to help us understand. They're not claiming to write scripture. They're trying to help us understand scripture, right? right? But and that's the difference between others who come along and say claim that they are writing scripture, right? right? Which is usually defined right. or, or recognized by differences or contradictions or additions yeah. that are totally, right. you know, not spoken of in, right. in other places of, right. of the Word of God, right? Okay, and and that's and just one other thing. I mean, that that's where are there some? Do we have some Christian brothers and sisters who would who can sometimes come? I think come in danger of getting too close to that. And I would say, yeah, at times, it's the way they say, well, I have a word from the Lord, or, a, a, you know, I'm speaking God's words right. here. We need to under, understand that context, right? But then also, we have like, my Catholic brothers and sisters, right, who they're, they're, they're the whole issue of papal authority, right, that, that comes in, too, that if, if the Pope is claiming to write Scripture or, or, to, or, to, or to speak ex, in that sense, then... That's you know that that's a, that's a doctrine that I have issues with when it right. comes to the and here's here's a here's maybe a good way and this maybe we're getting off track a little bit but just uh, because these questions uh, pop into our minds is if you wonder if people are speaking truth you can weigh it against other things that they said and if they have contradiction in what they said because it's there's been times where they've changed what they've right. spoken and we know that God is unchanging right, right. so we can use that as a, as a proof. Yeah, so I think it's just important to know, as to get back to bring us back here, that the, the Paul is one who has been given authority by Christ, okay. right, to to be sent by him as a messenger, and we know too that he was one sent, and 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 the church history has shown, and in in Peter, as we looked at in our previous podcast series, right, recognized that what Paul was his writings were, were. on par with the. Apostles and prophets and Correct. scriptures and so forth. And so So let me jump us forward. I, I want to come back to a word, but first okay. I want to go to verse two because there's another um, word here that maybe needs uh, defining, and that's um, when I read to the saints. Mm-hmm. So now when I think of saints, he's writing to people that have died and been <laughs> extolled to the position of sainthood, or what is what is that? I mean, right. because it depends well, that, on it, what your it's, upbringing well, it's is. It's the Greek word hagias. It's it, it it means holy ones or set apart ones. Okay. Okay. And so so we basically um, the he's it it's a term that is used to speak about like we might use the word brothers in Christ, and actually in other in other letters he would have re- he and, might say to the brothers, and right? He sa- and he says it right after that, yeah, he, to the saints and faithful brothers. Yes, so, exactly. Okay. So, so the, it's just it would be a, a term Paul uses to talk about the community of believers. So, are you saying that you're a saint and that I'm a saint if we're believers in Christ? Yes, positionally. Positionally saint. Positionally saint. So because I because I, I, we, we are set apart in Christ. All right. Right, so think of so. But, this, you're, but you're saying that you said the word hagios is holy ones, and mm-hmm. I I know I'm not holy, <laughs> right. I, at least in my behavior at times. Right, so right, well, so that comes into um, positionally when we talked about being justified and being saved. These are right. positionally things that were set apart 
Yeah, so so justified, you're made right. So in Christ, God declares you not guilty, right? That you there's no condemnation for those in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. You are considered righteous and faithful because of Christ, right? Okay. Positionally. Um, here, you're considered set apart, and you are cons- in that sense holy. So think of the word consecration, mm-hmm. right? We, the certain things are consecrated, like the t- things in the temple are consecrated. They're holy up up. A candle, abra, you know, the, yeah, the, right, the menorah, right? The, the so, menorah, yeah, the, so it's set apart for a particular purpose. Yes. Okay. And so, in that sense, we are saints. We are set apart for a particular purpose. We okay. are set apart as God's people. We're set apart as kingdom of priests, right? As Peter would say, that, that we are. In that sense, we're holy. Now, it doesn't mean like our, our is our character completely transformed into pure, holy, moral in a moral, ethical sense. No. So even these holy ones that he's writing to, he can exhort them, right, to holy living um, and, and address sinful behaviors and practices and, and false beliefs that need to be uh, sanctified, uh-huh. right, that wow. need to be okay. transformed, that need to be brought into the truth and, and brought into the light of correction. And so, so even holy ones still need to be made holy in that sense. Okay. So positionally, they are holy, but they are still a process of sanctification, a process of whole, of growing in holiness that still needs. So to that's happen. what we mean um, by when we say we have been justified. That's a mm-hmm. that's a done deal. Right. It's a hundred percent accomplished right. by the perfect work of Jesus Christ, who gave His life, um, paid to, paid the price, because He's the only one that lived sinless. He was right. He was holy in character. Yes, where none of us are. Right. Right. So. Through that, there was this transition of uh, of his payment by the cost of his blood and death. Right. Um, that he has now declared us mm-hmm. righteous. Yeah. Um, because he's paid for. It's almost like if I if I get a ticket and we're standing in front of the judge and it cost me fifty dollars, but I didn't have it, you could come in and substitute and pay that mm-hmm. ticket for me, and the judge would say, um, you, "You're paid in full to Telestai, yeah. right? You, yeah, that's you, right? Right." And so, yeah. um, and then I'm free to go because of something that you've paid. Now we can't do that. You know, you can't die for me, but only God could, and that's mm-hmm. through Christ. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and we'll get into more of that in class. Well, Colossians. I hope so because yeah. there's more questions yeah. I have. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah. So so that that helps us understand the you know, how Paul is thinking of this people as as the church. He he's he's considering them holy. He's considering them brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. Yep. So what other what other questions would we want to ask up front about the just Maybe that people or what, you know, what's the, oftentimes they, you know, the scholars will say the occasion. What's the occasion of this letter? Um, and so what, what do we do to find out? The occasion means what's the purpose? You know, why, why, did, why did the Colossians need a letter from Paul? Yeah, right? well, they're a very young church and um, they don't have, uh, they don't have the Bible the way that we have it, right? Mm-hmm. So they're looking for instruction right. and, um they're human, so they're stumbling along their ways, and they're probably making some mistakes. Right, and they might even be questioning, um, even if they're doing things right, if they if they're doing them properly. So, right. uh, so we we need some instruction, and this is what Paul's right. purpose is: is to come in as kind of their yeah, he's coming to give deal. instruction, and he's and he, how did he how does he know about it? if he hasn't visited him or if he's in prison right now? How can he write? Well, it's because what we talked about because oh, oh you know, Anisimus is is from this area. Right. Well, we will learn more about Anisimus when we can look at, a, at the book of Philemon. <laughs> this little letter of Philemon will tell us about him. But also, a Epaphras, um, who is one of you. This is 
verse 12 of, of chapter 4, he says, a servant of Christ greets you. Oh, so if Epaphras is greeting, he must, be, he must have come to visit Paul, right? So Epaphras is probably reporting, hey, Paul, I got this, these churches I'm looking after, right? I, I started, there's some stuff going on there, right. you know? Here's what I'm dealing with. And Paul's like, why don't I write him a letter, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and then we'll help deal with some of these. So with that, we know that usually in these letters, there's probably some issue that's being dealt with, sometimes multiple. If you read the book, of, if you read First and Second Corinthians, I mean, there's a whole truckload of things he's dealing with. In right. There, right. But there's stuff going on. And so as we do that over that, that first reading of Colossians or that first hearing that we talked about, one of the things you look, oh, what are some of the things he's addressing? And so along the way, and we'll touch this as we go through the entire book, but we know that there's there's some issues they're dealing with. And and one is there are these um there's you're always gonna have cultural influence, right? There are things of our day. We're always I I say we're always being discipled by someone, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? We're either being discipled by 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 Christ and his word in the church, or we're, or we're being discipled by the world. And the world of Colossians, there there were things that were starting to have influence on this church. There were these belief systems of from, from the Greek, from Greek thought, but also that was in, being influenced even maybe by some of the Hellenistic Ju- Judaism that right. was there that was creeping in. And so there were things like it, the, the curious word about the worship of angels or the, some, some things, it could be either they were worshiping angels or they were thinking that they needed angels to worship Jesus, right? So that's an issue that we see coming in. There's also these things they call mystery religions, and some of these thoughts that we have come up with, were they they attached to this worship, angel worship, you know? So there's all this, what we call syncretism, is something that's always a danger, where where these, the the beliefs of the day and religions of the day and these little things that pop up are always trying to merge in with Christianity and try to and try to in some ways take Jesus away from the center. Right. Right. And so that's one of the things that Paul's deal the occasion is that something like that's going on here in Col- in Colossae right. in this church. And Paul's like, you know what? I'm an apostle. I'm gonna address it. Yeah. And you know, um uh, and this is good for us today as well because I can think back to some of uh perhaps a pastor or a teacher that was uh, given an example, and these, this is a, a person that loves God, that believes the Bible, uh, but uh, somehow or another what he uh, was expressing was uh, a tradition that didn't necessarily line up with the Word of God, but it, it, it makes common sense to, mm-hmm. to, to believe it that way. And so, therefore, because um, I, I'm younger, I'm immature in my faith and, and my understanding of the Bible. I, I take that along with me and now that becomes my tradition. And I think that I'm doing right. things right. And, and so I need a pastor like you to say, Hey, you know what, uh, what you're believing there is actually, um, different than what it actually teaches in, in mm-hmm. the Bible. And so this is what Paul might be doing with them as well. He is, Yeah, he is definitely. And, and, and that's the thing that, so he's going to be addressing some false teaching, some things that are going to be coming up. But even as he does that, he still calls them saints and faithful brothers in Christ, right? He's, he's treating them with dignity and, and respect, and, he, and he's, he's lo- he, he has a love for them because of the commonality they have in Christ. And, and he's concerned that anything that would take them away from having that be the center of their faith mm. and Jesus being all things to them he wants to correct, right? Right, right. and yeah. so we'll see that. And and one of my, the Book of Colossians has one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, and we'll look at probably in some future episodes, not even the, the next couple episodes, maybe. But it's it's verses fifteen to twenty sure. of of chapter one, and it's talking about how this is Jesus is 
is has authority over creation and over redemption. He's over all things. There's these phrase, all things comes in, and it's just so powerful yeah. when we get to it. But that, but see, we see that that is in context, it becomes a solution to some of these issues that we're talking about. He's correcting, he uses the gospel and he uses the the, the authority of Jesus to be the center okay. thing that we come through that we see is going to be correcting all these things. And that we find that in all of, of Paul's writings, but I think that's important to see here that um, that there's that occasion for this. And that, that it's actually, it, I bring this up because of this, because sometimes we think when stuff happens in our life, or when we find ourselves in error or in some kind of sin, one of the first things we start to feel is inadequate and guilty and all this, which is appropriate in some ways. But, but we also see how God uses that, right? And it, it, and it, it's, it's so cool that God used the occasion of what was going on in that church to produce one of the greatest little five verses of theology that Paul ever wrote, right? <laughs> right? right. You know, and we see that, you know, uh, that, that God is about doing those things. And, and so I really, uh, it's, good to, it's good to see that. And, it, and it, again, it, it just makes it feel like, oh, yeah, you know, God... God's in control. He's sovereign, and and he, you know, he and he he gives gifts to his people, and he provides. And we have this wonderful letter that, that, that wasn't only good for the Colossians and the Laodiceans and the Herapolosians, <laughs> whatever they're <laughs> called, you know, but it's good for us today, right? But uh, and 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 so um, so yeah, it's it's a wonderful um, thing to just get into the into the depths of what some why some of this uh, was written and 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 how it's beneficial for us so yeah excellent um, good all right so i'll just say so my thinking is we're going to pick this up next time but the word that i wanted to go back to and we're not going to mm-hmm. spend any time on it um is that it jumps right out at me and i'm not sure why but it says in the very beginning paul an apostle of christ mm-hmm. jesus and then it says this by the will of god mm-hmm. that's that's interesting to me. Yeah. He's an apostle by the will of God. That means that he's not exer- Paul he's not exercising Paul's free will right. to be an apostle and it doesn't even talk about him being sent necessarily, but he's an apostle by the will of God. So that's a this is a a new venture that we've got to go because this is going to be pretty thematic through this book, I would think. Yeah, so yeah, next time let, we we'll we'll get into that cuz that that again it, it will deepen our understanding of, of him as an apostle, right? But all, but it also relates to we didn't even talk about Timothy. He talks about Timothy, our brother, you know, too. So so we'll uh, we'll get into that, and and then I think that will lead us into um, the reason that Paul can be so thankful uh, as we get into his start getting into thankfuls and prayer. And we we might even we might have some more stuff from background for Colossae and and for the some of these things. The letter will just come out. The contextual elements will come out as we keep. Oh, for sure. Sounds great. All right. Well, good. We'll see you back here next time. Okay. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Yep. That ends our opening look at Paul's letter to the Colossians. We look forward to next time when we look at the transforming power of the gospel. Planted is a Cornerstone EPC production. Connecting to God one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.